This comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all of this, all of this authority. For it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their heads they will bear you up so that you will not dash foot against stone. Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The relentless return of the Sabbath. This is the wry saying that is bantered about by preachers and worship leaders at times well assured of the fact that no matter what, there is a Sunday every week. It is the relentless return of the Sabbath. Regardless of how busy we are or what is going on in the world or how we are feeling, there is always a next Sunday. Surely this is not only felt by preachers and liturgists, choirs and choir directors, but by ushers and greeters and parish life volunteers and Sunday school teachers alike. In fact, I guarantee you that it is also felt by some of the young family members in my household who are not immune to asking why they have to get up early every Sunday morning. Perhaps you are feeling this relentless return if you yourself sit in a pew right now next to somebody who poked and prodded you into the car this morning. As church folk, it is a pattern that we set to our lives. A pattern given to us by God, if we must point fingers, who commanded the people to hold the Sabbath, to set a weekly rhythm of their lives, to worship. God knows many things about us, and one of those things is that we need to practice, particularly when it is something we are not used to doing. We who are lulled by the warmth of our beds on a rainy Sunday morning or the joys of brunch have to keep practicing faithfulness again and again and again 
and be reminded again and again and again just who we are and to whom we fully belong. It is the same pattern with seasons in the year of the church. We practice the story of God's redeeming love year in and year out, beginning with Advent, the birth of God with us, Each year, the routine of changing colors in the sanctuary, familiar stories that are told and hymns that are sung. Each year, Lent begins with ashes on our foreheads and the relentless return of Jesus to the desert to be tested by the devil. We start here because the devil is, I mean, excuse me, we start here because the desert is supposed to mean something to the people of God. When we read this, we are supposed to recall that the desert is a place of wandering. It is a place for finding identity, for testing and for trial. It is a place where the people of God must rely fully on the provision of God. It is a place that in our stories has hosted prophets and ordinary people alike. When our children leave here and go into From Wonder to Wisdom, they are introduced to stories about the desert with these words. So many important things happen to the people of God in the desert. The desert is a wonderful and strange place. There is no water and very little food there. The wind is always blowing in the desert. When the wind blows, the desert changes, and it is easy to get lost. Some people live in the desert, and other people only go there when they have to. It takes a lot of courage to be in the desert. Today, this first Sunday of Lent, Jesus is led into this wonderful and strange place by none other than the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit who takes him in, and it is the Spirit who brings him out, framing this narrative of Luke. When Jesus arrives in the desert and meets up with the devil, there we see privilege offered in increasingly authoritative terms. Bread, when Jesus must have been starving, power to overthrow the oppressive kingdoms like that of Rome with its knee on the neck of the Jews, the chance to prove himself in grand style. And just to look at these, we wouldn't be so off base to wonder what is so wrong with them anyway. Couldn't Jesus use these to his advantage? to have endless bread to give, to have authority over earthly kingdoms, to demonstrate the saving power of God and live to tell it? It all feels particularly relevant this morning, as Joyce said. The power to cease the relentless return of aggression, to mitigate the relentless toll of famine, to soothe the relentless weight of fear, and flight. We have watched throughout this week the horrors of Russia's occupation of Ukraine, and it feels almost sinful 
to deny any offer that could bring even this one evil to a quick end. The power to end the need for parents and children to take refuge in subway stations and civilians to take up arms. The power to prove the falsity of demagogues who think nothing of the human toll and their petty desires to flex mightily before the world. The power to relieve the suffering that breaks our hearts and renders us helpless. The test given by the devil to Jesus, it seems, was to put on offer one iteration of the tools to deliver the kingdom of God as promised right then and there. It is tempting, to say the least. But Jesus isn't having it. In the desert, a place we've said is for wandering, for finding identity, for testing, and for trial, a place where people have to rely on the provision of God for their survival, Jesus is up to something else. He had not just wandered in. He was led there, as we said, by the Spirit. He was not searching for his identity or purpose. Those were given to him in the baptism, in his baptism in the River Jordan. Certainly, Jesus had access to the provision of God. But unlike other accounts of this story, there are no angels who waited on him, and by the end of it, we are told he was famished. But there is this other thing about the desert in Scripture. It is a place through which the people of God go to get to what is next. In the desert, we find ourselves on the cusp of where God is leading. Take the reading from Deuteronomy this morning, near the end of an extensive telling by Moses to the people of the very particular laws governing everything from daily to ritual life to self-government and treatment of foreigners. All that would order them as God's people in the land to which they were being led. Now, in our reading today, comes a call to ritualize and to testify, to speak to the Lord's goodness to them, even from the midst of the desert, as they eagerly try to catch a glimpse of the land of coming. The people are told not to forget this place. They are told to recall in their testimony that God saved them by drawing them into it. God made a way for them through it, and God is setting them on the other side. It is a testimony to the long but persistent work of God, who heard their voice, who saw their toil, their affliction, their oppression, and who brought them steadily but surely to a land flowing with milk and honey. It is a God who fulfilled God's promise. And that also feels particularly relevant to us today. I can't help but wonder in these times if the devil before us, the one that keeps eating away at us, waiting for the opportune time, I wonder if the devil is the easy answer, the quickest solution that relieves discomfort, 
that fills empty places, that promises some modicum of control when we feel completely at a loss for it. The one that promises that through our righteous actions, we can single-handedly bring in the kingdom as we see it. It is, I think, the entrenched temptation in the temptation of entrenched ideologies, both right and left, that work to convince us that theirs is the only moral choice, whereas the others leads to the ruin of us all. It is the parsing of identity to such a fine point that just from a phrase, a look, a flag, a mask on or off, we are sure we know everything we need to know about someone. And we choose in that moment to write them off or to bring them in. It is the argument that in order for me to win, you have to lose. It tests our language for key words, our actions for what is postable online, our faith for how we measure up to culture. It is the assumption that power is in direct relationship to the control that we can exert over one another. By refusing the easy answer, Jesus witnesses that it is the long persistent work of God in this world that sees us through the desert and into the true measure of life that guarantees flourishing for everyone, all at the expense of nothing but our impatience and our greed. Jesus assures us that even on an empty stomach, it is possible to persist. Even when it all feels imminent, God sees the toil, the affliction, and the oppression that causes humanity to cry out. And we testify that God is at work in the midst of it. Luke says that at the end of his sojourn in the desert, Jesus was famished. But I am pretty certain that at the start of our sojourn into Lent, we are already starving. Looking past just this week, we well know that in the last two years, to a greater or lesser degree, we have all eked out a day to day in a world that is nothing close to routine, and it has certainly been relentless. We are entering into this Lenten season famished, and the sojourn in the desert has already gone on too long for us. Like the travelers in Deuteronomy, perhaps we have glimpses to the other side. We are singing together this morning, thanks be to God. And we want to drop everything and run full force out of the fear and anxiety and loss and uncertainty that have driven our days. It is hard to do discipleship on an empty stomach. And this is where the temptation is strong where those easy answers slip in to seem like they might be the right ticket out of the place we've been, towards the place we want to be. Not eventually, but now. So here comes Lent again. And Jesus in the desert, turning down the temptation each time, sticking with the truth that is God. Jesus came so that we might have life and have it 
abundantly. And so we return here Sunday after Sunday, season after season, crisis between crisis to remember and be assured of and to witness to the ways that God has saved her people before and is doing it still. The persistent, long work of God is still churning, is still moving us from the cusp and into the promised land. The relentless return of the season of the Sabbath, these are the food for our famished spirits that just want to get there now. Despite the good laugh I get when I say it, the truth is that that relentless return of the Sabbath has kept me going over these last few years, and even at the end of this long week. We need the reminder. We need to practice trusting that the whole world is not completely out of control, but indeed, Around again comes the chance to step outside of our narrowed worlds, step into the presence of others, and, our, and stand together before God, bringing our confession and our questions and our desperate prayers. We find ourselves in the desert again with Jesus, just like we do each year at this time, because there are times when the lostness the barrenness, the wilderness of the desert are very real. And we need to know that Jesus faced this too. And he walked out of it into a world that needed him and that still needs him, into a world in which he does bring healing, justice, and peace now and forevermore. And into my head comes this familiar refrain. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Thanks be to God.